You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And the show handle at Locked On Hornets. We've got Eric Collins joining the show. Eric Collins, man. Excited to hear his voice again. Got him coming up. Uh, in the last segment, I believe, of the show. Are we doing the last two segments with Eric Collins, Doug? Or are we last, just doing the last two segment? segments will be full of EC. All right, so Eric Collins coming up here in just a little bit. You and you insist on calling him EC. Um, we're going to bring him on. In the I think he likes it. Se- no, he probably does. So let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. Season's finally here, Doug. Right? I mean, I would say thank God. I wonder what you think everybody else's feeling is on this season because – it's very different. We all know what we're getting into. This is going to be a season where if you win 25 games, okay, probably on the high end of a lot of people's predictions. You're excited to see some young guys hopefully grow, hopefully take the baton that Kimba has left for this team to hopefully find the next Kimba Walker, better stars, and finally just break through right get to a post get to the postseason win a series maybe even more you know this is what stage one looks like of that we, we are in absolute stage one of that goal we don't know if stage two is going to be in three years we don't know if it's ever going to come but this is what stage one looks like and it often looks bleak as it does right now I think if I were to sum up my feelings as we are on the precipice of another NBA season Mm. and of a Charlotte Hornets season that will look much differently than other Charlotte Hornets seasons that we've been accustomed to, I think I could sum up my thoughts thusly. Finally, basketball. I'm just excited. That was Adam Silver last night uh, giving (laughs) his, his opener opening speech it was it was something finally basketball that is a man by the way (laughs) that is a man haunted by china he is Mm. haunted by china and all of these uh comments and all of the money that the nba's lost and then that's what came out there finally basketball he's just ready (laughs) for a ball to hit the court for us to quit talking about everything else uh so yeah i'm i think i'm weirdly excited for this hornet season walker I, I, i honestly like i know that the wins and losses, they're not going to stack up like I think everybody wants them to. Uh, but the Hornets I, are taking a new direction. and uh, But and they're there doing is a it. direction, right? I'm with you. I'm with you. There is a direction that we're taking. And I think that that's exactly what I was about to say, man. Like, it's we had kind of been floating. We didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. Do we keep Kimba? Well, now he's an all NBA selection. So now I don't think we are going to keep him just kind of floating. Oh, this kind of looks good. This kind of looks good. No, we're tanking. We're trying to hit some lotto pieces. We're transitioning. That, we're tra- it's, yeah, not, it's not rebuilding. It's no. not tanking. They're, they're calling it transitioning. They're tanking. It's full-on tanking. They're trying to hit some younger players that may become some starters, some good role players, some all-stars. I, I'm so with it, and I'm glad that there is a final direction that this team is taking right now, and we haven't had that the last couple of years where we've tried to make the playoffs and failed and – and it, it ended ugly. It ended ugly here, and, and we're in stage one. I think what we should do, if, if someone's just joining us now, for the, they've, they've jumped back on the Locked On Hornets bandwagon uh, because they don't care about preseason, they don't really care about the offseason, they're just now joining us. 
Let's just go kind of rapid fire everything that they should know that's happened this offseason. And we'll just go kind of, we'll just bang, 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 bang. What do you say? All right, that's fine. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Okay, I'll start. I'll, I'll get us started. So no more Kimba Walker, no more Jeremy Lamb. That were th- Those were their two leading scorers, big usage guys. Those guys are gone. Who's going to replace them? Yeah, who's going to replace him is going to be Terry Rozier as the point guard and bringing in for $18 million annually. It's on a contract that goes down every single year, but it is basically $18 million annually. So Terry Rozier is going to play a big role, and James Borrego said that he is going to become a starter right from the get-go, one that was put in there immediately. And then Jeremy Lamb, I think that remains to be seen. We don't know. You hope it's some of these first-round picks. Maybe Miles Bridges is that next guy that you're hoping to – get that baton from Jeremy Lamb, but those are the two answers in my mind. The focus this year is on playing young players, but no one is going to get unearned minutes, according to James Brago, who is is open to changing things up towards player development, but also wants to make sure that the right sets of players are on the floor. Uh, Nick Batum was injured during preseason, so we don't know if he will start or he won't start. We don't know starters quite yet, but uh, we know Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, and surprise, P.J. Washington, the rookie, has been starting the last few preseason games. P.J. Washington has been very good watching him in the preseason. He's done an excellent job of letting the game come to him. It does not look too big for him. Rick Bennell said about P.J. Washington that P.J. had a quote about, you know what, I'm surprised that the game isn't faster. You know, Everybody talks about how the game moves faster each level you go up. College is way faster than high school. NBA is way faster than college. And P.J. Washington sitting here with the game coming in slow motion to him again. We've seen him score in double digits every single preseason game. Did he shoot 50% from long range, Doug? It was close to it. Very good shooter. Showed you at least some sneaky athleticism. PJ has absolutely delivered on any positive expectation you had, and he's surprised, in, in their words, he surprised Mitch Kupchak with the way he's played. He surprised James Borrego, and I talked to Jay Triano, who is an assistant coach for them, and he Name surprised drop. Jay Triano. Name dropping Jay Triano. Uh, I'm yeah, glad you mentioned the three-point shooting because it has not been good for the Charlotte Hornets. They have not shot the ball well from deep. It it sort of portends some bad things for this offense. The offense will look differently. Obviously, no Kemba, no Lamb. It's going to be manufactured through pace, through transition. Uh, you're probably going to see le- uh, less half-court execution uh, because you don't have Kimball Walker in that pick-and-roll game that they went to so often over the past few seasons. The defense also, I think, will look differently. They're, they've been much more aggressive on pick-and-roll plays uh, and switching and blitzing and all in an effort to keep the ball above the free throw line, keep it out of the paint without a traditional rim protector uh, back there to help. Completely agree. And P.J. Washington is someone that can help with the defense as far as being a four or a five. And when you talk about the starting lineup, it's Terry Rozier. It's going to be some mix of Dwayne Bacon, Nick Batum, uh, Nick Batum, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. We don't know. These guys have been very versatile in that regard, at least that they've experimented with in preseason. Cody Zeller is going to be the five. We do know that. But maybe in some different lineups down the road, you see P.J. Washington at the five. You see Miles Bridges at the four. You see uh, Nick Batum, Dwayne Bacon, two or three. Malik Monk certainly in that position as well. Like we, we truly have no clue how they're going to decide to put all those people out there. But P.J. has looked very good. Um, and defensively, I, I like him at the five when they go small. So these young guys, Doug, they're going to get a lot of playing time. And 
I think that's what we're excited to see is exactly how good are they going to be because they've shown you some problems. Like Miles Bridges didn't have a good preseason if you're just joining the Lockdown Hornets podcast again. If we're going to give these guys maybe not grades, but just was it good or bad? I think Miles Bridges wasn't as good as you'd hoped for. Terry Rozier, I thought, played well. P.J. Washington, I thought, played well. Dwayne Bacon was okay. Thought he had his spots. And Devontae Graham, I thought, played pretty well. My final thought is this. I, the Hornets are going to be bad this season. Uh, if you go back and listen to the last episode, we ran through all of the things that would have to go just crazy right for the Hornets to actually be good. And it's just like when you start talking about it, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to be bad. But I don't think that they will be the worst team in the NBA. They made a lot of uh, last rankings on power rankings that came out early in the preseason. But as the preseason's gone on, I've seen uh, more projections coming out that have the Hornets above the the Knicks and the Cavaliers. And I think that's right. I think they're going to be a bottom five team. They will definitely compete for the number one uh, pick in next year's draft. But I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the NBA. All right. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On, all one word, Locked On at checkout. Also, we have a Patreon page where you can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content. Patreon.com slash LOH for just a buck. You can help keep our hive alive. Also, check out Let the Boys Talk. That's with Doug and OG Walker. Let the boys watch. I thought let it was talk. Bo- it's let the boys watch. But I'm glad you got it's it wrong gr- because sometimes getting it wrong can help people get it right. Let the boys watch. All right. Let the boys watch, not let the boys talk. But you can let them talk if you want to as well. And then I'll let you guys listen to it. Uh, we got Eric Collins coming up here in the next couple of segments on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. He spoke with Doug about the upcoming season and even the upcoming game tonight against the Chicago Bulls. So stick around with us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says, on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. It's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Joined now by Eric Collins. He is the television play-by-play announcer for the Charlotte Hornets and Fox Sports Southeast. You can catch him alongside Dale Curry and Ashley Shamity as the Hornets get set to open the season at home against the Chicago Bulls. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us. Let's get right into it. The Hornets recently dedicated the media work area to uh, one of your predecessors, Steve Martin, the voice of the Hornets from the inaugural season through his retirement in 2018. Radio, TV, simulcast. I mean, Steve did it all. What has he meant to this franchise, and and what did he mean to your transition as as a lead voice of the Charlotte Hornets? Well, Steve is just steady Eddie. You know, he's the guy that you know, just being someone who's been trying to get into the business for a long time, and someone who who loved broadcasting for so long. He was an important name for me. Uh, you thought of the Charlotte Hornets, and you thought of him. So called a rock solid game, and even when he retired, still has good fastball. You know, he, he's very technically sound. Um, but the great thing about him is he was just so welcoming. Um, as you know, you know, sometimes, you know, what you see is not always what you get. And uh, a lot of times, announcers who have been around 
for a while. You know, they get set in their own ways and they've got certain things they like to do and certain things they don't like to be bothered with. And uh, Steve was, was none of that. Steve was absolutely a prince. And uh, it's, it's never an easy situation when you come into a new market and all of a sudden people hear a different voice and see a different face and have different opinions from different people coming at them. And uh, it's unsettling. I totally get it. Um, but Steve made the transition so wonderfully smooth just by being such a gentleman, uh, by accepting me, by respecting me, um, by telling me who was important to know and what was important to do and what was important not to do. Um, I can't say enough wonderful things about Steve Martin as a, as a human being, as a broadcaster. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I hear that from everyone. Um, and I think it helps that Steve is just such a rock solid presence within the the franchise. And I, I saw behind uh, behind uh, the the people that were talking about Steve during that uh, celebration, they they listed all the teams that he had been part of. I mean, it was just a, a part of so much history. Yeah, the Hornets too. When you think about it too, have been somewhat of a transient team since they've been um, in the NBA. There have been so many guys who have been fantastic, but for the most part, you know, all the great ones never really played more than three years. When you think of Alonzo and Larry Johnson and Glenn Rice and Eddie Jones and a young Baron Davis. There have been so many players that have kind of come and gone, and he's kept up with all of them. Uh, but he was really the, the one Hornet name that kind of endured. And I think that that's really kind of cool that someone so solid and so entrenched in the area is, is finally getting his due. Let's shift gears to the present. This next question is, is a question about you, but it's really a, a question about the Hornets at large. Now, Kimball Walker and Jeremy Lamb were the source of some of your most exciting calls on the broadcast they're gone now. So who are you looking to to fill that excitement void in your broadcast? <laughs> and by virtue of that, you know, fill a playmaking void left behind by those two players? Uh, that's a great question. But that's kind of one of the great things about sports is, you know, I like to kind of go into games wide eyes. And, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to get. You know, 82 games are going to be totally different. And it would be great, you know, if all of a sudden Dwayne Bacon is the type of guy who becomes Mr. Fourth Quarter. Or Terry Rozier was the guy who makes, you know, big shots, uh, you know, with the shot clock winding down. The Hornets had, have candidates for guys who could be that guy. You know, I think we, we've all gone to sleep a little bit. Maybe we woke up in the last month or last week. But Malik Monk is a guy who still is an extreme talent. Um, if he ever kind of gets everything together, you know, in terms of the physical, the mental, the, you know, everything – He's still, there's something there. You know, Malik Monk is still 21 years of age. He still has every bit of the, the skill and the hand-eye coordination that got him drafted 11th overall just, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, wouldn't it be something if all of a sudden the guy that people who are, you know, some people are starting to write off, you know, rises up and becomes a player again. So uh, there's a bunch of possibilities this year. You know, last year you just kind of knew that it was going to be come to taking over its tail end of games. So I think that's one of the things that makes this season interesting is, is who has the capability of trying at least to fill the shoes. Like, who wants that job? That's a tough gig, you know? Everyone knew that Kemba was going to get the ball, sometimes to his detriment, you know, in the final two minutes of the game. Um, and, but Kemba was happy with that. You know, he wore that he wore that mantle. And uh, it's going to be fun to see who, who wants to step up and who has the ability to step up this year. Have you ever been a part of a rebuild like this or a transition or, or whatever you want to call it, this this type of situation before as a broadcaster? Have you ever been part of that? 
Well, actually, I got really lucky. My other play-by-play opportunity was with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I was there for five years, and they were always serious contenders. That was when Kershaw was a young player, and Matt Kemp was coming up. And, you know, so I was always around big-time, big-market baseball, and that was awesome. Um, but that's not really kind of who I am. I'm a Clevelander born and bred, and I kind of grew up with my Cleveland Indians and Cavaliers and Cleveland Browns kind of muddling through things. Um, but in terms of the NBA, I actually have something very similar to this. Um, I was a sideline reporter, wasn't doing play-by-play, was just doing the sidelines, the pregame and all that kind of stuff uh, for the Chicago Bulls. Um, and I was there when Michael and Scotty and Dennis were finishing up you know, their run. So I was there part of that championship era. But then when they all moved on, I stayed there. And I was the sideline reporter for the Rusty LaRue, uh, Corey Benjamin, uh, Marcus Pfizer era Chicago Bulls. So um, I, I've seen both ends, no doubt about that. And uh, there's some pluses to it. I'll tell you, we didn't know it at the time, but back then with the Chicago Bulls, in consecutive years, they drafted Jamal Crawford, who's still playing unbelievably. Uh, they drafted Tyson Chandler, who was still playing unbelievably. Uh, they drafted Elton Brand, who is now a general manager in the league. Uh, they drafted Ron Artest, who was a guy who was very serviceable for a long period of time. So there was a lot of talent that kind of came through Chicago during those, those rebuilding years um, that, was, that, that was exciting. You know, it was exciting to watch these young players. Now, they never put it together, and they all went their separate ways by the time, you know, they, they figured it all out professionally. But I saw young players play at a high level and, uh, and learn how to win and lose in the NBA, and I thought that that was really kind of a fun experience. Yeah, I think it's an, an interesting transition time for the Hornets, right? Because they do have so much young talent, athletic talent. I mean, I think they're going to be fun to watch, even if the, the wins and losses uh, don't exactly stack up the way the way that you would want to. There's also been a lot of talk about James Borrego coming into his own in year two. Uh, Rick Bennell was on the show yesterday, and he says that he has a clarity now. That was the word, a clarity about the position and his role within the organization. And he, and he just seems like in, in interviews to be taking more charge of, of this team's identity. He talked about manufacturing leadership. After this offseason, what's your sense of JB in year two, his attitude towards this season and the challenge that he has ahead? Uh, last year wasn't an easy job for him. You know, I'm sure that Rick you know, spelled it out clearly. You know, because he had to satisfy all these different, you know, masters. And he wanted to win now, but he also wanted to develop. He had to deal with entrenched veterans who were there and actually had won a decent amount before he got there. And he tried to mix that with some younger players and newer concepts that he was trying to get in. I do think it's going to be interesting to see who he is as a coach. I know he's going to be the same person. I really am a big fan of James Borrego just in terms of how he carries himself and how he wants to be a successful coach and have a successful organization in the NBA. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I really have no general sense if we're going to notice any difference on the sideline or if we're going to notice any difference when he has media availabilities or if we're going to notice any difference just when he's kind of going about his day and he thinks that no one's watching. Um, but I think he's a really good human being, and I think he's a really good X and O uh, guy and also a good motivator. Um, so I think he's the right guy for what the Hornets are trying to do. Uh, whether or not that manifests itself this year and anything that we can kind of tangibly see, I have zero idea. But I think he's the right man for the job. More from Eric Collins ahead, including a preview of tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls. This is Locked on Hornets. Final question for me. Uh, when you're in Pauly's Island, could we describe you as sassy? 
when am I not sassy, Doug? You go for It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think we're definitely going to see some changes on the court. Um, Obviously, Kimball Walker leaving, but also pace of play. And that's not just a Hornets thing. It's an NBA thing right now. If the preseason is any indication, Eric, the, the league is trying to go supersonic right now. 23 NBA teams, including the Hornets, averaged a pace in the preseason that would have led the league last year. I'm curious, uh, you just talked about the, the those Bulls teams in the, the late 90s. It just, to me, it looks like two different games when I go back and watch highlights of those teams. I'm curious as someone who has uh, watched the game over the decades, commented on the game over the decades, how does the game look right now as it just continues to get faster and faster and, and change really the way the game is played? I like it. I think there's there's a more natural beauty to people playing fast and getting up and down the floor and, and having freedom of movement to do so. Uh, I think that's the way that James Mason, Mason drew it up. You know, back in the 90s when we are talking about, you know, the Chicago Bulls, that was a different era. That was a grind it out. That was, you know, half-court basketball. wasn't necessarily pretty. Um, it was just kind of strength of will and strength of body. I think pace of play is something that's going to help the Hornets. When you look at the guys who could possibly be difference makers, you know, their main attribute is speed. Uh, when you think about Terry Rozier, uh, Malik Monk, uh, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, those are all guys who right now their strength is in the open court, not necessarily in the half court. Um, even the guys who are younger players who are on the fringe of the rotation, we don't know what we're going to see of, of Caleb Martin. But Caleb Martin is a guy who is from central casting for what the NBA is, is doing nowadays. You know, 6'7", 205, who can run, who's an elite. Um, the Hornets are trying to stockpile those types of guys. So I think that the way that the league is going, I think that the Hornets are up with that trend. Um, offense wasn't a problem last year. You know, the Hornets were okay. They were 12th in offensive rating, um, which is, is fine. You know, the top 16 teams make the playoffs. Um, so if you're in the top 16 in any category, you're generally doing okay. The defense was the problem for the Hornets. You know, they were in the bottom third. I think the number was 22nd in defensive rating last year. So this this pace is great offensively. And I love the fact that the Hornets are going to get up and down. But just because you're playing at that type of pace offensively, you can't forget that you the other team wants to play at that pace when you're on defense. So it's all about transition and getting back and saving your energy for defense that you save for your offense as well. So it's pace is a two-way thing. You know, if you're going fast, generally the other team wants to go fast as well, and you got to keep up on both ends of the floor. Hornets opening up tonight at home against the Bulls, the second youngest team in the NBA, uh, but a team that looks to be now in, in Chicago transitioning to wanting to win. Uh, what will you be watching for tonight in the opener from both teams? Well, I'm excited about just Chicago. I think it's the great thing about the NBA is, you know, every single roster has always got, you know, three or four guys, you know, you raise an eyebrow at, ooh, wow, I forgot about this guy. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, Kobe White, you know, 19-year-old kid from, you know, outside of Raleigh. I'm excited to watch him play his first NBA game, see what he can do immediately. Uh, Zach Levine, you know, has always been a guy who can explode and do great things, won a dunk contest. was stunned to find out that Zach Levine is still only 24. Can you believe that? It's amazing. 24 years of it. Yeah, 20, he's in the sixth year. He's still 24. Uh, Laurie Markkinen, I, I love that guy. You know, is he going to be healthy? What can he do? Wendell Carter, uh, the guy at Duke, 
two years ago, only played in 44 games because of injuries last year. Want to see if he's made any progress from one season to the next. I think there's a lot to kind of dream on if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, but I also think this is an eminently winnable game for the Hornets. Um, Chicago's young. They're trying to figure it out. They're putting pieces together that kind of came from different sources. Um, it is obviously a home game. There should be excitement in the building. And it's also a sense of urgency, you know, quite frankly. The Hornets are going to play 82 games, and so everything's going to even out eventually. But after the first two home games, tonight against Chicago, off day Thursday, Friday at home against Minnesota, you got that just Herculean task of going out west and taking on the Clippers, the Lakers, the Kings, and the Warriors. So if you don't win one of these first two games, you're staring at 0-6 real fast unless something bizarre happens. So I think that uh, the Hornets are cognizant of that. I'm pretty sure that you know JB and the coaching staff are going to remind the guys that every game in the NBA is important, but this one's especially important because it's winnable and you want to get the season started off on the right foot so things don't snowball the wrong way. Eric Collins, you can catch him alongside Dill Curry on the call, Fox Sports Southeast tonight for the home opener. Real quick, Eric, before we get you out of here, are you going to ask Dell about MJ's assessment of Steph Curry's Hall of Fame candidacy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had uh, we had a season opening dinner together last night, and that was the topic of conversation <laughs> at the dinner table. And Dell feels the same way that I do. I think that was I think the comment was he, he totally taken out of context. He's not a Hall of Famer. You know, it, it, it is what it is. You know, five years after he plays his last NBA game, Steph Curry will be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Michael Jordan will ever deny that. The simple fact is he's not in the club right now. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's accurate. You know, he's not. So I think that Michael may have, I don't want to speak for him by any stretch of imagination, but I think that maybe, I, I know for a fact what he said was overblown, but I also think it was taken out of context. Yeah, I, th- I think MJ talks ball when he talks like he doesn't talk like you know we would expect an NBA NBA owner to talk he just talks he just talks yeah. ball um so yeah, and he's not a hall of fame he will give right yeah, and he does he knows that Steph is an absolutely game-changing uh force in the in an NBA court and he will give him his just due when he's in the hall of fame and in that brotherhood fraternity together but right now he's not in the hall of fame which is an accurate statement and I don't I didn't think he meant that as any negative role for Steph. No, I think you're right. Eric, always appreciate your insight. Uh, can't wait to watch you on the call tonight. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Eric Collins. Really, we really appreciate him joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Of course, you can catch him alongside Del Curry tonight and Ashley Shamity as the sideline reporter on Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports Southeast. They will be airing that game against the Chicago Bulls. And real quickly, want to talk a little bit about the two NBA games that really debuted and tipped the season off between the Pelicans and the Raptors, Lakers and the Clippers. Raptors, Pelicans, it sucked because Zion wasn't out there. Great game, got to OT, but it was funny to me, Doug. Everybody wanted to watch this Clippers and Lakers game that was coming on at 1030, but we got free basketball and nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted the overtime. Everybody was saying, get this off of my television. Give me the two LA teams going at it. And Kawhi Leonard looked like he was the best player in the world last night. I stayed with it. You you have the option sometimes in, in certain ways to watch it. You can go to the TNT West feed. And I chose to stay with the Pelicans 
uh, the the Pelicans game because I just enjoyed that game. But uh, it, it, it is important to note that the NBA opened on two very competitive games and two very different games. You had one game where two mediocre teams were playing super high, high pace, especially at the beginning of the game, just running up and down the court. And then you had the Lakers and Clippers, all-stars everywhere, but it was a slow, plotting game. Los Angeles Lakers, they look like a 90s team. They were just feeding the ball into uh, Anthony Davis. I've got a few uh, notes here in my little black notebook, this uh, new new notebook that I got just to write down my thoughts, my very important thoughts. I call it my LBN, my little black notebook. Are you ready for some notes from the LBN? I've been waiting all morning, Doug. Let's hear it. Here we go. Nah, Lonzo still can't shoot. Chris Webber getting into the very lucrative conspiracy theory game. Did you hear this? He had a conspiracy <laughs> theory and he broadcast it about Zion, I, I guess, faking an injury so that he could rest. I feel like Chris Webber got worse, right? I felt like he was good and then he got worse. And Reggie Miller did too. Just like, get these guys off my TV. I can't take it anymore. Uh, JJ Reddick cannot shoot on balance. Pascal Siakam, worth every penny. Kyle Lowry. Oh. What's your diet plan? Kyle Lowry looking svelte. Uh, how does Dwight Powell get the final <laughs> you shot? You want me to sit on that? Yeah, I know. I thought it was a great take. Uh, thank you. I was looking for a response there. How does Dwight Powell get the final shot in regulation? That was insane. Fred Van Vliet. More Norman like, Powell. What? Dr- wait, what? Norman Powell, not That's Dwight what I Powell. said. Norman Powell. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet. More like Fred Van Elite. Oh, yeah. I love that one. That one's great. Thank you. Raptors, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, no. No way. Collision course? Collision I course? I, well, I don't want to rip that. So I, so my thing is, I'd like, you to, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, the Eastern okay. Conference Finals. Sorry. I was just asking. I didn't know. Who are they, who are they beating there? Who, think, who are they meeting? Uh, who are they the meeting? Who are they beating? Raptors, Celtics for your Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, you're crazy. All right, moving on. Lakers, Clippers. Remember when LeBron played with a bunch of scrubs? That seems like an, uh, a decade ago. Where is Lance Stevenson? Spoiler alert, he's in China. Dwight Howard checks in and immediately gets a delay of game call because he couldn't get his ice off his knees. God, he looked bad. He, he looked just, not, not even terrible. just the way he played ball. He just looked bad. Oh, he's awful. Troy Daniels! Plays for the Lakers now. Uh, did you see the shot clock digitally added to the free throw line? Loved it. Thought it was awesome. Oh, Thought it looked you're great. an idiot. You, I, is, no, uh, to it. me, I can't decide All if the it's... All the shot clocks. I can't decide if it's useless or so useless it reveals an existential absurdity resulting in madness. I can't decide. Uh, I like the latter. Uh, fine, my final note is Patrick Beverly is an insane person, and I'm here for it. He tried to win a jump ball versus AD. I mean, that guy is nuts. I want it. See, that's what I want. I want a Patrick Beverly eventually on this team. Just somebody who is out of his mind. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Join us tomorrow for a recap of the Charlotte Hornets' first game against the Chicago Bulls. And as Adam Silver said, finally, basketball. Finally, basketball. Ooh.